today on the Beginner Photography Podcast. Let's say I'm going to take a picture of my dog. Uh, she's a beautiful golden retriever, you know, and I take her to the beach. And she likes to carry this pink Frisbee, so she's pretty cute. <laughs> so I want everybody to see her. She's, you know, she's really happy. She's just cat caught the Frisbee, and she comes running up, and she has this cute expression on her face. But behind her is a parking pole, and behind that is a car. And there's just a lot of clutter and distractions. So when you look at the photograph, you kind of go, it doesn't really pop sure. because there's too many other things going on. Hey, guys, Raymond here from the Beginner Photography Podcast. And today we are advancing your photography. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast with Raymond Hatfield, the podcast dedicated to interviewing world-class photographers to ask them the questions you want answered. Whether you want to be the world's best wedding photographer, family photographer, pet photographer, or you just want to take better photos of your kids growing up, we will get you to start taking better photos today. Here with you as always, husband, father, home brewer, L.A. Dodger fan, and award-winning Indianapolis wedding photographer, Raymond Hatfield. Hey guys, I am Raymond your host of the Beginner Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week for the podcast. Today is an episode that I know each and every one of you is going to take home a ton of uh, takeaways. The amount of information and the experience that today's guest has is, uh, it's truly incredible. And it's something that I aspire to um, later on, obviously down the road. So it's, it's a good one. You know, uh, First, a little bit about my week. It's uh, it's actually been kind of a, a a slow week in terms of my photography business. As uh, August, I actually don't have any weddings, and I kind of planned it that way. Um, August is kind of a slow month uh, anyway here in Indiana, as um, it's just very humid and hot, and it's uh, you know unless you can get like a really good indoor venue, um, a lot of people just move out their dates until October or uh, you know late September or earlier in the summer. So August has been great for me because it's been like a little mini vacation as I've been able to catch up from the hecticness that was July and uh, just kind of get everything back in order, which is which is good. You know, as much as I love uh, photography and love photographing weddings, um, it does have its ups and downs. You know what I mean? However, I haven't been able to just like kick back and uh, and relax as all those weddings last month need edited, albums need built, prints need made. Um, you know, there's lots of blog posts that I have to post on my website as well. So there's a lot of work that is involved. It's just on the back end, um, which is which is still nice because it means that I can get to it uh, on my own terms uh, when I can. So obviously, if I have plans, which I have many times these uh, past few weeks to wake up early and, you know, keep editing a wedding or work on an album or something like that. And the kids wake up super early and you know, now that I have this desktop computer, as beautiful as it is, it's, uh, it, you know, you can't take it out into the living room and hang out with the kids and get things done. So you can believe that it's been a lot of late nights the past few weeks, but it is all good. I'm, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling refreshed. Um, in fact, tomorrow night I have an engagement session uh, at a pretty popular location here in Indy, which I don't typically do. I really like couples to step out of their comfort zone and uh, do something um, uh, out of the norm, I suppose. Maybe not out of their comfort zone. Maybe I, I, I take that back. I really encourage my couples 
to stay in their comfort zone and do something out of the norm. So a lot of couples, my couples, are, are adventurous and uh, outgoing. They like to do fun um, activities, go to you know day festivals, go to farmer's markets, uh, trampoline parks, um, even skydiving. And it's like I encourage my couples to do these things even though they're untraditional for um, you know an engagement session. Um, I try to you know tell them that everything is going to be okay and that it's going to work out awesomely. Uh, but I want them to reflect back on the photos and think like, hey, this was us. This, these are the things that we did uh, when we were younger. You know, if they look back 20 years from now, rather than like, oh, look, this is the same photo that uh, my cousin got um, right before her wedding. I think a lot of my preparation for tomorrow's engagement session actually um, may not comes from this week's episode. Um, but a lot of the things that I will be doing are a result of, of this week's episode with, uh, with our guest today because um, he talks a lot about... Um, you know, when you're starting off, how to, you know, get to that next step, get to get from the person who just pulls out their camera and hopes that their camera takes nice photos to being the person who knows how to use their camera to get nice photos um, and the steps that are involved in that process. And one of them is I'm, I don't I'm not going to ruin the whole episode, but it's vision, having the vision in your head before you take the photo, which I think is super important. And when you're doing something that uh, y- you have to step out of your comfort zone for that you don't traditionally do, like me this weekend for this uh, sun setting engagement session, um, that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to pre-plan the shots in my head. Luckily, like I said, it's a pretty um, a popular location. So I've been there before. I know what it looks like. I know where I'm going to want the shots. And that's going to be important. Because if you have an opportunity like this where, you know, light is going down and you can't redo it right away, you really have to know um, what it is that you're doing. And um, you you have to pre-plan these things ahead. And while it might not mean, you know, writing these things down on paper and, you know, printing out a shot list, it's it's just being aware of the shots that you do want and uh, the way in which you're you're going to get them. So I think that was enough of a teaser into this week's episode uh, with the guest. Um, Truly incredible. Personally, I took away a lot from this episode, and I know that you will as well. So we're just going to hop into it right now. Um, This week's guest, Mark Silber. Today's guest and I share a very similar passion, teaching the world to take better photos. With decades of experience, he's been in and out of the darkroom since the 60s. I think that you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody as knowledgeable about photography as him. So today, I welcome Mark Silber. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Raymond, my pleasure. I love talking about photography. (laughs) That makes two of us. I'm really excited for this one. Um, However, uh, I'm not sure if it's proper... Uh, I'm not sure if it's possible to give a proper introduction to somebody who has been shooting as long as you have in just three or four sentences. So can you give us a better idea of how you got into photography and how you got to where you are today? Wow. Uh, That's going to take more than a few sentences, but I'll I'll shorten it down. Uh, I started in photography when I was a kid. Uh, Back in the day, we had brownie cameras kodak you know the famous camera this was this was kind of like the instagram of the days you had your brownie (laughs) camera and you took those photographs to the drugstore and then you showed them around to your friends that was the tech of the day um and you know i came from a family with my dad was a yeah, somewhat amateur photographer, but the real influence was my uncle. His name was Uncle Sambo, and he was a Top Gun pilot in World War II. Amazing. Whoa. 
and a an avid photographer. Very colorful guy. Was that his Sam, actual name, Sambo? Well, his name was Sam, Sam Silver, but everybody called him Sambo. He got that uh, that name, nickname in the in the Navy. Okay. But he was a, a really avid photographer, and he would uh, he was on the East Coast, and we lived in California, so he'd show up every now and then and take me out and give me a photography lesson. And one of the first things he taught me, and this is probably a good starting point for a lot of people, is the concept of framing. And he said, Marco, he called me Marco, and he was Sambo. Right? <laughs> Marco and Sambo. Marco and Sambo. He said, Marco, you know, take a look at, we were out, uh, you know, in a field and there was a tree there. There's a big oak tree. And he said, take a look at uh, photographing me next to the tree, which puts an edge around it. He said, that's called framing. If you put a border around something, it actually builds contrast and interest and it makes it a, a more appealing photograph, which is absolutely true. Uh, I talk about that in the book. Of course, I define what framing is. But moving on from there, the real magic occurred for me in the seventh grade. So I was 12 years old. Turned out my teacher was also a photographer. And he said, hey, would you like to see how a darkroom works? And I said, sure, that sounds interesting. And you know, we developed a roll of film and then we printed it. And when we were printing it, the magic, the light bulb clicked on because all of a sudden those pictures that I had been taking to the drugstore that came back so disappointing, you know, and I'm sure we all experience this moment of like elation. You know, you think you've captured the world's best photograph. It's a sunset or something, and, you know, <laughs> you get it back, and it looks terrible. It's sort of muddy. It is – the contrast is off. There's all these things that are wrong with it. It's too small. Anyway, all of a sudden in his darkroom, I realized I could control those things. And at that moment, I really became a photographer. And that was um, in seventh grade, you said? That was in the seventh grade. Wow. Wow. So, so once you, you go on to school, high school, you graduate, what, what happens next? Then I went to art school. I went to the San Francisco Art Institute. Now, that was interesting because I was already a pretty good photographer by that time, and I was completely self-taught. I had attended zero classes. Everything I learned was either from talking to people that had already you know, been photographers or reading books, but mostly just doing it, which, of course, is the best way to learn. Of course. Yeah. Uh, art school was interesting, though. It, it did it did teach me to withstand harsh criticism because you do get critiqued. And one thing that, you know, occurs is that some some of those critiques are favorable and sometimes they're not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you you know, you have to sort of stand up to that. But I uh, I was already pretty good as a photographer. I, I knew my business. I'd spent a lot of time photographing and a lot of time in the darkroom. Uh, but interestingly enough, my career path completely changed. I ended up building a consulting firm in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Hold on. Wow. This was after art school? This is after art school. And then I changed my whole 
career study and my whole career completely changed. Okay, one second. I got to dig into that for like was it because <laughs> of the, the the thing that you mentioned most about art school was the criticism? Was it because you were getting bad criticism from art school that it turned you off of photography? No. Not really. Uh, but it was just a change. And this is a whole other story that merits its own discussion. Okay. <laughs> something. It was a change in my interests. And I became more interested in, frankly, in working directly with people and finding out about marketing and management, all that kind of stuff. So I basically completed my studies in that department. Gotcha. Okay. And many years later, here we are in uh, early 2000s, my consulting company is going great. Silicon Valley is booming. And I decided it was time for me to return to photography. Now, at the same time, what's interesting about that is the digital age of photography was really coming into its own. Yes. Prior to that, you know, it wasn't so much. You know, you pick up a digital camera and it just wasn't going to compete with a film camera. Of course. And, and it wasn't until about 2005. So I ended up selling my company and uh, I decided, OK, I'm going to pick up this career as a photographer. So fairly late in my life, I'm actually, you know, resuming where I left off. And I had to I had to learn digital photography from scratch which I was fairly computer literate, so it wasn't much of a problem. But it taught me also what newer photographers are going through, which was probably a good experience. Sure, sure. And it's become much easier since then because the cameras are better, the software is better. Everything has improved tremendously since 2004, 2005. So I entered the world and I decided to become a pro and uh, – did everything you would do to, to launch your career. I had shows, I had exhibits, I did magazine spreads. And in two, late 2007, I discovered video. And that's when I started creating my show called Advancing Your Photography. And in that show, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of different photographers to find out how, what's their passion and how do they make it work. And from having done all those interviews, um, years later, last year, I decided, okay, I'm going to turn this into a book called Advancing Your Photography, based on my own experience, but also based on many of those interviews. And my goal for that book was to put together a complete handbook for a photographer of any level to be able to advance from wherever they are to their next desired level. That's why we call it advancing your photography. Of course. Wow. That is a, that, that's quite a path for sure. Um, Isn't it? It, it? I think it's interesting. Um, I actually come from the world of uh, cinematography. So I went to film school instead. And I actually graduated uh -huh. film school in uh, 2007. And I once I it wasn't until I went to film school that I realized, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like video as much as I thought that I would. And that's when I switched to photography. But um, I want to take one step back. Is, sure. You were talking about your book there, and I've read your book, and it's it's wonderful. Everything that it goes through, it's very clear. Um, it's very th – the the theories are wonderful, and they make sense. It's more than Good. just the technicals. And one thing that you talk about a lot is the creative gap. 
And the creative oh, yes. gap is obviously what you talked about. Uh, when you have this idea for a photo in your head, and then you go to head, you go to take the photo, and it's nowhere close to what you wanted. And there's that right. gap, that creative gap. So um, when we're first starting, I think that that's probably the biggest thing that, that beginners struggle with is that creative gap. But unfortunately, they don't know... Um, they don't know how their vision can be achieved because they don't have the education. They don't know right. what things change. So how, how do we know what the next step is once we get to that point? Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Good question. And the creative gap is something that every artist struggles with. And when I say artist, I don't mean just a professional. I mean anyone who's trying to, in this case, turn out a photograph that other people like. Of course. By the way, I called my book, Advancing Your Photography, a handbook for creating photos that you'll love. <laughs> so that might be a good place to start if you're looking to close that creative gap. Is that it? It's, well, that's part of it. So the reason I said creating photographs that you'll love, listen, if you don't love them, who else is going to love them? Of you course. know, you have to love them yourself. And I think that's the first point to aspire to is I want to create photographs that, first of all, I really myself like, and then I'm willing to share them. But, but specifically to close that creative gap, you could say the whole book is about that. And, and perhaps it's best to just start at the beginning. The first, <laughs> you right. know. It, but, but again, I want to stress the fact I looked over all the books that were out there. And one of the things I noticed is that each one of them sort of dealt with one aspect or another of photography. And I had in my mind, you know, in our kitchen, we have a lot of different cookbooks. But we have one cookbook that's kind of the go-to cookbook that I'm sure is in almost everybody's kitchen called The Joy of Cooking. The Joy of Cooking, of course. It's the, it's the handbook for cooking. If you want to cook a roast or you want to know how to make a certain kind of drink or or sugar cookies or whatever it is, it's in there. So this was kind of my goal was to have a handbook that you didn't need 10 other books. You could put this one book and it's the size that you can put in your camera bag. So you carry it with you. You're referring it to it all the time. But the very first concept that I talk about in the book is this fancy word called visualization. What is visualization? Visualization means the ability to, first of all, get the idea of the photograph in your own mind before you press the shutter. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a big difference between doing that and walking around, you know, which most people do, and probably I do sometimes, but 
you know, snap, snap, snap. That's called a snapshot. That's why it's called a snapshot. There's, sure. There's a, there's a lack of pre-visualizing or getting the idea of what you want that photograph to look like. But if you think about it, anything that's going to be really successful in life is visualized beforehand. You know, if you're going to paint a room, you don't just randomly pick a can of paint. <laughs> you go to the store, you look at all the different paint chips, you know, you bring some back, you put them on the wall, you take them down. Maybe you buy a, can, a small can of paint first, you know, and you paint it. That's all visualization. So before you make the big change, you want to know what it is that you're after, same thing is true in photography. And this is considered, I consider it the most important step that an aspiring photographer can take is that really small, what seems like a very small step, but a very important step of learning to visualize before they press the shutter. Yeah, that's very smart. Right now, I'm actually creating uh, classes that go with my book. Oh, really? And yeah, it's pretty cool. They're they're really going to be fantastic. It's on a, a new platform that's being developed right now, but it's got a lot of uh, very creative people involved in it, and we want to make it one of a kind. We want to make it the premier place where you would uh, learn a skill like photography, not only because the material will be there, but the interactivity will be there with the student. Yes. We want to make it as close as we can to me sitting in front of a student and teaching them directly. Yeah. But in how the, valuable that would be. Yeah, cuz that at the end of the day that's what you're what you're hoping for is an mm -hmm. ins, instruction and that really fits you. Of course, yeah. But one of the class so one of the things in the class is I there's no point in just talking about something without getting your viewer or your student to do something. Hmm. Otherwise, it's just data comes in and data goes out. So doing it is really crucial. So one of the exercises I give them after I explain to them what I mean by visualization is go to an area, go to an area or room or whatever that has some things in it that interest you and take a picture really quickly without even thinking about it. Just press the shutter. Then pause. Now look around and find something that interests you and visualize how you could make that photograph interesting. Then take it and compare the two. And you should see a big difference. Hey, Raymond here, and we're going to get back to today's show in just a moment. But let me ask you, do you feel like your photos have become a bit stale recently? Do you feel like if, if maybe you were shooting more, your photos would be better, but you're not sure what to shoot? Well, don't let your photography grow old and stale. Kickstart your creativity by trying just one of the 46 creative photo ideas in my free ebook that you can download right now over at creativeimageideas.com and bring some spice back into your images. Or, I mean, you could just continue to let your camera collect dust. I mean, the choice is yours. But deep down, I think that you know the answer. So again, download your free copy of my free ebook, 46 Creative Photo Ideas, over at creativeimageideas.com. That's creativeimageideas.com. Now, let's get back to today's interview. 
Uh, when I first show up to whatever location we're at, and usually um, when it's up to the couples, it's it's a pretty you know well-known park or something like that, maybe downtown. Whenever I yeah. show up, my first the first thing that I do is I look around and I think where would I like where's the first place that everybody would start taking photos? Like of course like this monument right here or like this beautiful entryway. And I think yeah. to myself, okay, now I know where I'm not going to be taking photos. Right. So like how can I visualize where I'm going to start taking better photos? so that it's going to be more unique to them. So I can absolutely attest to the importance of visualization, and it will yeah. um, improve your photography right away. Um, one thing that I want to ask is that as an educator of introductory photography, yeah. I think you, you must see a lot of photos from beginners. Yeah. What is one of the most common mistakes you see beginners making? There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com. And as a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. I would say that the most common uh, mistake is they don't uh, put the viewer's attention on exactly what they want them to see. Mm. Because basically, what is a photograph? A photograph is a story. It's a little tiny story that you're trying to tell. I saw something and this really interested me and I want you to see it too. So that's the, the most common error is less is more. Get rid of clutter, get rid of things that you don't want in the picture, either by moving the subject around or by moving things around in the background or whatever you have to do so that you don't have like, let's say I'm going to take a picture of a my dog and uh, she's a beautiful golden retriever, you know, and I take her to the beach and she likes to carry this pink Frisbee. So she's pretty cute. <laughs> So I want everybody to see her. She's, you know, she's really happy. She's just cat caught the Frisbee and she comes running up and she has this cute expression on her face. But behind her is a pole, a parking pole. And behind that is a car. And there's just a lot of clutter and distraction. So when, when you look at the photograph, you kind of go, it doesn't really pop sure. because there's too many other things going on. So I would say that's the number one thing. Again, that goes to visualization because if you if you think, okay, I want to really capture my dog, I want her to look cute, I want her to be the center of the photograph, if I take it here, I'm competing with all this other stuff. So maybe I need to just turn a little bit over this way. Oh, what do you know? The beach is there. Yeah. That's <laughs> not a cleaner. bad background. Yeah. Much cleaner. All we see is sand and the waves behind that. 
that turns out to be just by turning 90 degrees, I've got a much better photograph. Of course. Here's a good example. And a friend of mine watched this occur. In fact, when I was working on my class, somebody came up to us and said uh, we were eating lunch at a, a really nice restaurant. A friend of his actually came up to him, um, an Italian uh, chef, and he had prepared for another friend of ours this fancy bottle of, uh, of wine. And he said, could you take a photograph? And so I said, sure, I'll do it. You know, I'm, I'm the pro here. Right. I got <laughs> to prove that I, I know what I'm doing. And so as soon as I held up my iPhone, first thing I saw was a pillar behind him and distraction. So I said, move over here. Good. Looked at the background. It was pretty simple. Stand you know, a, a foot or two this way. In other words, I was willing to direct him. Mm -hmm. Then I pressed the shutter. And it, you know, it came out with the expected result. Everybody looked good. And, but my friend was really impressed because he saw this, what I just said here in action. He saw me do it almost instinctively. So I think that's one of the key things that a newer photographer really needs to pay attention to is what story do you want to tell and make sure that you're really putting your viewers attention on that story? Yeah. You know, I hear a lot of um, listeners say that um, like they want to be in a situation where um, or, let me rephrase that. Uh, they will see a photo and that they're about to take and they want to change an aspect of it. Say that they're yeah. out at a you know, festival or at a restaurant, let's put them in the same situation as you. And if yeah. somebody comes up to them and asks them for a photo, they're going to, from right where they are, simply pull up their camera and just take the photo because um, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or if it's a lack of um, uh, just knowing how to direct people, but they always say that that is the hardest thing, that learning yeah. the technicals of a camera um, is much easier to understand than it is directing somebody where they should be going. It, do you have any insight on that as to why you think that is? Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head. And this is another hallmark of really great photographers is they're willing to do that. Mm -hmm. I can I could tell you story after story. One of my favorite photographers is Bambi Cantrell. She's a wedding and portrait photographer here in California. And, you know, her whole thing is she just puts people at ease because let's face it, in today's world, you can you can grab one of these and you're you're going to get a good photograph. Sure, yeah. It's it's not the technical side of it that usually hangs people up anymore. It's the interactive side. So, I think it's just getting over a little bit of stage fright and willing to look. If you got a camera in your hand, that automatically gives you a license to sort of be the director. <laughs> so I just mean, man up and the, do it. Just do it because mm -hmm. people expect it. You know, the truth is people actually like to be given direction. What they don't like is, you know, being wishy-washy. You know, they, they'd rather have somebody come up to them and say, you know, you go to – what's the difference between going to a Denny's and a really expensive restaurant? <clears throat> Denny's, you walk in. Sit yourself, you know, you sit down, maybe you get served quickly, maybe you don't. In a really fancy restaurant, you're given excellent direction all the way through. Mm -hmm. You see the maitre d', they seat you at the table, 
you know, your server comes up, they look right at you, the water is poured, everything is under control. So the truth is that that little secret ingredient can make all the difference. It's just being willing to give directions and pause for a minute. So if somebody says, hey, can you take my photograph? Take it seriously and go, okay, sure, I'd love to, but let's see how we can make it really look good. Otherwise, just do a selfie. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, that's a very Which, good point. You know, that's the difference, right? Anybody could take a selfie, but if they're asking you for help, then you might as well make it the best um, possible product. So That's right. I like that. I mentioned earlier that my education comes from film school. I went to school for cinematography. I made lots of like films in high school and then just realized that the actual career of it was not for me. Um, some of the bigger picture theories don't work in photography, um, like um, camera movements, you know, handheld versus locked yeah. up on a tripod or um, a dolly move versus a zoom. Um, but obviously, all the technicals are still the same. Shutter speed, Absolutely. ISO, and aperture. Yep. What are some bigger picture photography techniques that uh, don't rely on technicals that uh, maybe can't be taught in a camera manual, aside from visualization, obviously? Yeah, well, actually, Raymond, what's interesting about what you just said is in my study of filmmaking, I came across some things that I hadn't studied in photography, and mm. I found them very useful. And... Uh, one of them being, uh, I'm just looking at my book, one of them being the subject of angles. And I actually never found this in a photography book, but it was well noted in uh, this book called How to, uh, how, to make a, uh, how to Shoot a Movie Story. It's an older book, but it's got tons of great advice in it. Is that by, by chance, is that by Ben Brown? No, it's by... Uh, uh, Gaskell and Englander. Okay. And I, okay. I think it was written in the in the fifties or sixties, oh, probably gotcha. the sixties. Okay. It's a classic. Anyway, one of the things they discuss in the book is the power of angles. And what's interesting is, again, sometimes we think in terms of just shooting one way, mm -hmm. straight on. Well, that gets pretty boring after a while. And uh, these are little ingredients that you see in a professional's photographs that you may not consciously realize why it takes you and brings you into the photograph. Whereas if they just shot straight on like this, maybe not so much. So some of the angles that are discussed in, the, in that book, and I included them in, in my book, is if you shoot, because you've got many different angles you can shoot from, and I think that's the first thing to realize you can do all sorts of things. You can stand up on a ladder and look down. So that's going to give you a high angle, reduces the size of the subject, which could be interesting. You know, again, one of the things you can do is shoot from a bunch of different angles and see which one you like the best. Yeah. Uh, shooting from the side can speed up action. So let's take a example. Your kid is in a swim meet and you're, you're shooting them diving off the diving board. The wrong place to stand is up here somewhere because you're going to totally miss the action. In the front or in the back? In the front or in the back. Mm -hmm. If you can get to the side and crouch down low, their dive is going to look much more prominent in the frame. Yes. Uh, shooting from uh, 
a different viewpoint, you can actually move your viewpoint in terms of what you want your viewer to see. Viewpoint means where are you viewing it from? So I have a picture of my kids, all three of them, three boys riding a bicycle together. So instead of me sort of being way removed, I crouch down low and move the camera to follow them, which made the background blur and kept them in focus. Nice. So I assume their viewpoint mm-hmm. rather than me being out, kind of an outsider back here. So I don't know if that directly answered your question, but I yeah. think those are those are some of the little tricks and techniques that you can pick up. Yeah. Kind of like the joy of cooking. It's it's all it's all ingredients. It's all a recipe. Um, just changing your aperture. You know, you could have the perfect photo and you could change your aperture and suddenly the entire photo is in focus and it's just not as compelling anymore. So so like you said, just changing one small thing. There's no magic ingredient that's just going to be like, boom, garbage photo is now wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely answered my question for sure. Um, now, one question that I've I, I love to ask, but I'm, I'm really excited to ask you because of your, your years of experience. Have you ever had a, like an embarrassing moment that maybe you've learned a very valuable lesson from and have <laughs> changed the way you've either photographed or the way you've interacted with photography? I have a great one. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty classic. Okay. Annie Leibovitz mm-hmm. is probably one of the most well-known photographers. Of course. In the industry. So it turns out she and I went to school together. Oh, art school. Art school. Oh, wow. Okay. San Francisco Art Institute. So she had an opening for her book in San Francisco. And I actually arranged to go do a video shoot of her walking a select number of people through her exhibit and talking about the photographs. That's pretty cool. So I had a video guy with me and I had some other people with me and I brought my own camera with uh, the, you know, the desire to get some stills of her. So we're setting up. I actually help another woman get her camera set up and I get my camera and guess what? There's no battery in it. Oh no. So I go, Hey, there's no, that's not a problem. I've got spare batteries out in my car. I always carry spares. Now it's getting close to when she's coming out. So I run to the car. There's no battery. <laughs> Mark. And then I, f- I flash back uh, to where I had charged the batteries in preparation for this, but left them in the charger. <laughs> okay. Talk about an embarrassing moment. Here's, yeah. here's not one of the number one photographers. Here I am. Here's a camera I can't use. So... What do I do? I, I grab. Have no idea. I'm, I'm, I have no idea. I'm so excited to hear this. Okay, I'm shooting with a Nikon. That was the camera of, uh, at that time that I used. Um, I, I asked my friend, who is shooting with a Canon 5D, if I can borrow his camera. And I, he says, okay, sure. So I pick it up. I know nothing about this camera. I've never used one before. And it's a little bit like going from driving you know in the united states to driving in england everything seems like it's reversed Mm -hmm. and the controls are not where i am expecting them to be and somehow i muddled my way through this and managed to get a really remarkable picture of annie 
standing in front of her uh, cover of uh, Vanity Fair, I think it was, of uh, Demi Moore. And she was, it, it worked. But it was amazing how I dodged that bullet. So after that, I created, and I put this in my book. I think I told this story in my book, too. I've created a checklist, equipment checklist, that you have to check off before you go out on any kind of an assignment. Whether that assignment, that assignment could be your, your kid's performance at school. It could be going to a wedding and wanting to take pictures of your friends or whatever it is. Take a look at that checklist and make sure you don't leave anything out. It's uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, just last week on the podcast, I talk about how I had uh, just went to a wedding and I got into a fender bender on the way there. And it was like nobody was hurt or anything. Guy hit us from behind and I had um, like opened up the trunk, make sure everything was OK. All my cameras and stuff, rearranged some things. And uh, the wedding was still more than 200 miles away. And by wow. the time I had got there, I had realized that. In the confusion of the accident, I had taken out my camera bag and left it on the side of the freeway and drove the entire 200 miles to the wedding uh, and was late to the wedding. Uh, and I cried, of course. I wanted to throw up. And it was uh, luckily they hired the world's best videographer who had extra bodies and lenses that I could use. And everything turned out wonderful. But it was after that that I realized uh, I really need to have a checklist for every single time I uh, touch any of my equipment just so that this never happens again. So I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, you know absolutely. That. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast, chatting with me. It has been a wonderful chat, and uh, I've learned a great deal already, um, and I know that there's so much more. Can you let the listeners know where they can find you online? Yeah, my website is silberstudios.tv, and silber is spelled with a B, S-I-L-B like boy, E-R. That's where you'll actually find links to the book, and my Instagram channel, my Instagram page, my YouTube channel, and pretty much everything I have can be found there. So that's the best link to go to. Okay. And what about in the future with, uh, you said, your new endeavor, having classes with the Advancing Your Photography book as well? How is that going to work? Well, those will be definitely announced as soon as they're produced. We're, we're still in the production phase of that. But as soon as those are available, we'll make some broad announcements. They'll also be on YouTube uh, teaser videos so that you can watch a, a snippet of it and decide if you want to do that course. Uh, so we'll definitely be doing a big splash when that comes around. What did I tell you guys at the beginning of that interview, huh? Mark knows his stuff. And what a, what not only a crazy journey like into photography, but, uh, you know, just great life experience, great working photography experience. Um, it's great to hear that he like embraced digital once uh, the switch happened because there were a lot of photographers, a lot of great photographers who uh, held on to film for a very long time and uh, their their careers suffered because they weren't able to deliver work as as quick as their counterparts could. Obviously, there's more reasons than that, but regardless, it's still great to hear that Mark embraced this technology and um, uh, really went for it and really noticed that 
with all of his years of experience in the past, he still had stuff to offer for the beginners of today. And I really hope that you took away a lot out of this episode. So if you did, uh, be sure to let Mark know. Um, you can head over to the show notes of this episode. That is at beginnerphotographypodcast.com forward slash zero six five. You can also see some examples of Mark's work, and I will have links to where you can purchase Mark's book, Advancing Your Photography, as well. And I've read over the book, and there's a lot of great information in there. You guys will not be disappointed if you decide to pick it up. Until next week, I love you guys. Get out there. Keep shooting. Share those photos on Instagram. Tag the Beginner Photography Podcast at Beginner Photo Podcast. Or just mention us. I'd love to check them out. We'd love to interact with you. And if you have any photography questions whatsoever, never hesitate to ask there on Instagram as well. And again, that is Instagram. Uh, username is Beginner Photo Podcast. Guys, I will see you next week. Get out there. Keep shooting and be safe. Love you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. Be sure to join the conversations on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want any links or resources we talked about in today's episode, check out the show notes at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. See you again next week.